This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Samson Folk, and I'll be detailing for you the Raptors' latest win over the Minnesota Timberwolves, 120-100. I'm joined by my guest tonight, Nick Tutsell, or is it Tussell? It's Tutsell. You got it right the first Tutsel. time. Many people okay. don't, though, so I appreciate it. Wow, Nick Tutsell. Uh, tell everybody about yourself, man. Um, so I've been writing for Raptor Public for the past four or five months now, uh, doing game recaps, columns, that sort of stuff. I've cooled off a little lately with the meaningless basketball the Raps have uh, had to play, but uh, hopefully we're going to get some more content out now that uh, playoffs are around the corner. Thanks for having me, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, there's only a couple type of articles that are available to be written right now. And like Louis Zatzman had one of them where it's like, watch every play of a certain play type. And report on it. Otherwise, it's like, do you want to talk about OG getting like six points? Do you want to talk about Kyle putting up like 10, 8, and 5 for like the 30th time this year? Not really. Yeah, I, and we could do our own versions of what Lewis does. But let's be honest, he's the uh, the Zach Lowe of Toronto sports writing. The, the guy spends will spend 100 hours watching Surge. Well, he did spend 100 hours watching Surge and Fred Benvey pick and rolls. And uh, did a damn good job of... Uh, laying that out in his piece too i thought yeah big shout out lewis uh first of all this podcast is brought to you by brian goldfinger of goldfinger's personal injury lawyers thanks for the sponsorship brian and so let's get into it the first quarter um i guess like the raptors lost the first quarter 28 26 it seemed pretty inconsequential the energy of this game from the get-go wasn't very high it was pretty clear that the raptors weren't taking it very seriously the Wolves weren't either. They were running a skeleton crew out there. It was like Cat wasn't playing, among other players, right? But especially Carl Anthony Towns, the team's incumbent superstar. They were just giving up a lot of Andrew Wiggins' mid-range pull-ups, things like that. So the game, it seemed like, like I said, inconsequential off the start. Did you notice anything in the first quarter that you liked or didn't like? Well... I, I started off and I was just like confused. Well, first I was confused why the starters were playing, and then I was just kind of upset about the lack of effort that they were given. You know, if you're out on the floor, you would expect that they're going to, I know it's game 82, but at least put something into it with the playoffs around the corner. But then there was that back and forth. The Raptors, like they, like you said, they were kind of an autopilot almost, it seemed. But the Wolves made a run there. I think that it was like six, the six-minute mark of the first quarter. They made an 8-0 run, and I looked up at the screen, and the it was only a one-point game. And I, I just thought it spoke to, 
you know, how, how good this team is, even if they are kind of just going through the motions and not necessarily going at 100%. They're still able to compete with a team who I know the Wolves aren't anything to, to write home about. They're not a playoff team, but, you know, there's still NBA-level guys playing on the court for them, and the Raps were able to look as good, if not better, than them in what I thought was probably 50% effort level. So that was just, yeah. I thought it spoke to the kind of talent of the of the team there. Yeah, the talent differential is, you know, it's not in question. The Raptors are obviously the superior team. We saw, I guess, Kawhi testing out some things, it seemed like. He had like three pull-up three-pointers in the first mm-hmm. quarter. He had a big smile after missing one. <laughs> he kind of just seemed like he was messing around. They were playing kind of like this pickup style offense where it was like, mm. uh, run around a little bit, jog, throw it to Marcus All, doing like tap passing, but not getting anywhere with it, and then just waiting for the really, really terrible Wolves defense to just collapse in the wrong area or to double Marcus All seemingly of their own accord that didn't make sense, and then to just get an open shot off of that. Did like when they were trying out something new, was there anything you saw that you liked there? Yeah, like I, I think Kawhi is one of these guys who can, like you said, you, you, you were surprised that he was doing those pull-up jumps. I think I think these are things that he's he's likely practicing behind the scenes, and he's got so many things in his bag that he's able to take out. So it, it's comforting for us as as people who are obviously rooting for the Raps to know that this is a guy who likely gonna have the ball in crunch time when it comes to it in the playoffs, and the fact that he's not just going to be reverting to these kind of like he's nurses drawn up a lot of these like baseline ISO plays for him or things where he gets the ball at the top of the key, but to know that he can create for himself in ways that we haven't seen consistently throughout the season, I think is, is nothing but good for the the outlook of the Raptors team when they're in crunch time in the postseason. And as we all know, that's been a, an area of uh, in large need of improvement over the past uh, few seasons to say the least. So I was, yeah, I was, quite excited about um, some of the things Kawhi was showing us that we we didn't normally see from him. And so when we're thinking about this game, obviously we start in the first quarter, naturally. But the second quarter, the 43-19 differential in the Raptors' favor, all the other quarters, they're pretty close, but that is when the Raptors blew it open. In this game, like the plus-minus monsters like Chris Boucher, Jody Meeks, OG, Norm, Mm -hmm. the bench for the first time outpace the starters when playing against a different team is this more a comment on the Timberwolves as a whole is this progression from a bench that we've seen fail to live up to maybe it's muster that was reported on prior to the season starting like why why was the bench so successful tonight what's your takeaway from that well, first of all, I want the audio clip from Nick Nurse after the first quarter, whatever the hell he said to those guys in between the first and second quarters. Clearly, it lit a fire under them because, like, honestly, it seemed like two different teams took the floor between what we saw in the first and the second quarter. But to answer your question, I think it's kind of – it's two parts, right? Like, the bench was – they were running quite cohesively. I think it's that, that thing of when the starters just aren't doing it, you need – fresh a fresh luck of different people out on the floor and they were you know to their credit going through the motions and doing doing very well but i i do think a big part of why they were so successful is is like look at look at who they were playing against i watch a 
ton of NBA basketball, um, as do you as well, Samson. And I had to Google at least two of those guys who were on the floor for the Timberwolves. Williams, a guy, Reynolds, number 13. I, <laughs> there, were, there were more 10-day contracts on the floor than you, I've, I've seen in quite a while. So. Do you not have a Keita Bates Diop jersey at home like uh, everyone else? Are yeah, you kidding no, me? Yeah, I sold that for when it was uh, selling real high and... <laughs> Honestly, forgot wow. he was uh, in the league. So I'm very impressed that you sold Kata Bates Diop, but you kept Bruno Caboclo. Yeah, you you have an eye for talent, my friend. Hey, your too, jersey, your jersey game is on a level. You know, as soon as Fran Frischilla busted out the two years away, two years away, I I got online and I was pre-ordering. You know, before the first round was over. That was NBA fundamentalism, hey? Like, two years away <laughs> from doing two years away was the literal, that's the transcription. And that's how his career works out, I that's, guess. It's going to be on Priscilla's Fr- tombstone, and hey, it might be on Bruno's as well. Hopefully. I mean, that would be that would be epic. And I haven't used the word epic in, like, four years, so <laughs> we're spurring on new feelings tonight. It's very, very inspiring. Um, I guess let's talk about Chris Boucher. If you want to talk about... effort in the first quarter and then, you know, acknowledging the talent disparity. Chris Boucher, who has oodles and oodles of talent, but seemingly no discipline in a lot of areas and needs a lot of fine-tuning of his discrete skills, came out with not 50% effort, but 130% effort, swinging his limbs wildly everywhere on defense, (laughs) which seemed to be effective against this iteration of the Timberwolves getting on the offensive glass, rim runs. What like what did you like from him tonight? He, he was very fun to watch. Man, everything. Like you said, he was at 100%. I think I thought he was the best Raptor on the floor tonight probably. I know Kawhi had a good stat line, but just for, for play for play, the effort that he brought to the game tonight, I thought – I didn't even think it was close in terms of the impact that he had on the game. I thought it was infectious, especially as you got to those bench-dominant units where there were more guys – um, out there that weren't starting and I thought it kind of spilled over to other guys effort wise he was a monster on the glass like just especially on the defensive glass just getting up for every rebound you you just see it when he jumped you know he was just trying to get up as high as he could and he wasn't treating it like game 82 of the season he was treating it like an opportunity to show Nick Nurse you know why he might deserve five or ten minutes in the playoffs or why he should be considered for a larger role next season you know and I think he's a guy that realizes this opportunity is out there and he's taking every advantage that he that he's been given to to show why he's he's worth more minutes on the team and I was just super excited to to kind of see everything that he brought tonight and I think probably a lot of Raps fans were as well so let's take this opportunity to expand on Chris Boucher's role with the Raptors a little bit as we head into the playoffs I know the Timberwolves aren't a playoff-level team, but there is there any situation in which you can see one of the Magic or the Nets facing Chris Boucher in the playoffs? Maybe, like, what situation is Nurse going to put him in if he plays like this? Yeah, I think, well, length, the length thing, right? Like, with the Magic, they've got these guys, their wings, Isaac, couple of the other guys, Gordon, right? Some of their bench Birch, guys. Are, yeah. Yeah, Birch, right? Um, they're, they're just so long defensively. And I think um, some of their their ability to shoot is one thing, but like that, that other part of them being able to slash and get to the hoop. And I think that Boucher offers some rim protection that might be needed against um, 
them at certain points. Like, I think it's a little bit of a stretch, to be honest with you, to say, okay, this is the time where Boucher is going to get called upon. It might be, you know, let's try him out in this situation and see how he responds, if we can afford to do that. I don't think in game one or two, Nurse is going to toy around or get too cute with what he's uh, what he's doing with lineups. But, um, you know, if we're, we're up... A, decent amount in a certain game and we can afford to to give it a shot i think he'll he'll definitely get a bit of run but as for you know crunch time minutes or specific situations where we're going to quote unquote need boucher i'm not sure that's going to be there i i hope you know down the road that's something that the coaching staff will will call on upon him for but uh, i don't know what do you think i i think it's a bit of a bit of a long shot for for boucher to to count on getting big minutes in the first round Oh yeah, I I actually don't think he'll get any minutes, but I you know it's a it's a good enough hypothetical to entertain, rather than you know eulogize the season on this podcast. I mean there'll be plenty of opportunities to eulogize the season going forward in articles that are written and things like that. I I want to talk about the implications for the playoffs. So swinging from Boucher, a guy who likely won't receive any minutes, and I think probably shouldn't, especially not in competitive games. Agreed. Go to OG Ananobi who showed flashes of a game that would be immensely helpful in the first round, second round, third round, and hopefully the finals. He had two extremely impressive drives, something that he's really, really struggled with this year, and actually two left-handed finishes at the basket, another thing he's really struggled with this year. Were you? Do you think that's something he can keep up, or do you think that's just an example of him feeling confident against a lesser team and then going off the dribble? Because... His off-the-dribble package this year has been extremely mundane. It's been underwhelming, and a lot of times has resulted in turnovers. But tonight, he was able to create some things and actually look quite sharp. Is that a result of him picking it up? Do you think that he looks better? Or do you think that, again, it's just a result of the competition? It's been a it's been a bit of a roller coaster for OG this season, you know, and I think after showing in the playoffs last year, we all expected maybe a, a little bit more, you know, part of that's the whole, you know, he had the concussion thing a few weeks prior um, to tonight's game, but I think that he's he's showing us the ability to to play lockdown defense on some of the, well LeBron James, right? Like he, nobody can shut that guy down, obviously, but I think he did a pretty damn good job of being able to contain some of the better players on um, opposing teams last year, especially in the playoffs. And I, th- I think OG is a guy that really responds to big moments, especially defensively on the offensive side of things. You know, we want him to be able to hit his shots. I think that's something he's he's showing he can do on a more consistent basis. And he's been a little, a lot more aggressive going to the rim and especially rim running, you know, getting those boards on the offensive glass for putbacks and things like that. There's some stuff we've seen more consistently, but I, I, I think he needs to be part of the rotation in the playoffs, especially when we need a guy to show on somebody like, you know, looking past the first round, somebody to show on a guy like Tobias Harris or Jimmy Butler in the conference finals. Potentially we see the bucks. I think nurse definitely mixes at least part of the defensive scheme is showing OG on Giannis um, because of his length and his ability to, you know, move laterally. Um, so I think that's kind of the where he becomes the most useful for the Raptors in the playoffs. But the offensive spurts he's showing um, in the season definitely, I think, bode well for his future development. I'm not sure if he's going to have much of an offensive impact, you know, this postseason. But um, we'll, we'll see what happens. So in a game that was 
pretty, I, I'll use the term for the fourth time this podcast, inconsequential. <laughs> Raptors do have home court advantage against the Warriors in the finals if they make it there, which is, of course, encouraging. We talked about OG Ananobi, who played a good game. Powell was good, but he's been good the last seven or eight. Chris Boucher had a fun game. The 905 guys did their thing as well. Did you notice anything else from this game, just as kind of to top it off? How did we win 120 to 100? Well, I, I think part of it was that third quarter there where the, the Timberwolves, they pushed back. They went on a little run. I'm not sure what they cut the score to. Maybe it was like 13 or something like that. But there, it, I think at that point, it's like you're going to let these guys back into the game or you're going to you're going to put them to sleep and the Raptors chose the latter. And I think most of that was the bench unit. And it goes back to that whole thing of, of showing why they're worth minutes and, you know, situations moving forward. They want to prove their, their worth for, for training camp next year, potential, you know, slots playing minutes in the playoffs. And I thought, it, yeah, the, the bench really, really stood up and said, we're not going to make this a close game. We're going to put this to bed in the third quarter and, uh, you know, credit to the starters for being able to get the lead to where it was. But I think it was that midway through the third quarter there where uh, OG, Fred, I'm not sure the exact lineup that was on there. It was still, it wasn't the 905 guys, but it was some of the bench guys that are probably going to see minutes in the playoffs. They were out there and they were um, pretty aggressive uh, defensively with the Timberwolves and weren't letting them get anything inside. Not that they really wanted to shoot or take take it inside much. It was a bit of a three-point shooting contest tonight, but um, I thought they did did a really good job of uh, kind of closing the door um, when they saw a little bit of light there in the third. Totally. So, for the last part of this podcast, I'll let us, we'll split the award-giving um, responsibilities. I'll take the Mitchell Robinson Award handed out to the villain of the other team. Considering this game was pretty light as far as physicality, like you said, it was a three-point shooting competition or seemed like that. There was one guy who didn't subscribe to the three-point shooting competition and decided to assault everybody's eyes by plucking away from the mid-range all night, and that, that's Andrew Wiggins. And since mm-hmm. he subjected us to that type of basketball and has subjected Canadians to this unfulfilled potential that we all <laughs> said, please, Andrew, we just dealt with Anthony Bennett. Can you can you please please be the guy? You're so athletic. You float in the air. He's definitely a villain, and the villain for this game. The Reggie Evans Award is yours to give out. Who who does it belong to? And the Reggie Evans Award captures the Reggie Evans Award captures the guy who hustles the most. I'm sure you remember the Reggie Evans Raptors days. Oh yes, yes, where, yes. where he he led the league in rebounds when he was averaging. 15 a game, okay, but also well, I, averaging four points a game. Like the Reggie Evans days were the wild, wild west of Raptors basketball. Bargnani was there. Jose Calderon, second-ranked overall offense, 30th-ranked defense. Hito Turgaloo, Jorge Garbajosa, <laughs> whose nickname is Porno. Just a litany of and things. And that it, jersey. That's, that's a very important jersey to have. Yes, totally. I, Who's I the Reggie think, Evans Award winner? I, I, think, I think you would be... Uh, insulting to give it to anybody else but Chris Boucher, right? Like yes. the guy was busting his ass on both sides of the ball. He definitely sweat the most of anybody on either team, and yeah, he his his try level was just 
clearly higher than anybody else in the court. And I, like I said before, I don't think it was close. And I, I love how he brings that every time he's out in the court, no matter what the score is. It shows his commitment. And I think, you know, we're going to see a lot more than just exciting garbage time minutes from Chris Boucher in the years to come. And I, I wonder what matters more to Chris Boucher when he was awarded the MVP of the G League or, you know, you and I awarding him the, the Reggie Evans Award. As you know, all Raptors players listen to this podcast. If that makes everyone revere it a little more, just a little lying is okay. Uh, the quick reaction comment, the top voted one, it only has one vote, but that's okay. Um, we've gotten really fast at doing these uh, reaction podcasts which I think is actually a good thing. So we'll respond to it. My end win. Who has actually had the top comment before? Says Siakam, Boucher, and Kawhi. Big threes of future Raptors. <laughs> Thoughts on that? What, what, is, is that the next big three for the Raptors? Si- Siakam, Boucher, and Kawhi was yep. the three there. Um... <laughs> Well, I, I I like Boucher, and I think that he's definitely something that's going to be an asset for the Raptors moving forward. But big three, I think that's a little bit of a stretch when you talk about some of the the you know true star pairings that have been named big threes. To put Boucher in that mix might be a little bit insulting to the the other. Uh, you know, we look at the the, the Heatles or the Celtics or. Take three of uh, the ridiculous level of talent in Golden State. Um, Boucher is a good player. I don't know if he's big three ready yet, um, but I hope one day we can talk about him in the same breath as, as others. Maybe not next season. Maybe two years away from being two years away, potentially. <laughs> yeah, that's that's officially a colloquialism, by the way. That's been insult. That's been inserted into the culture. There's no way to get away from it now. There's not. And yeah, I guess my response to that. I don't now I'm a I'm a Boucher realist let's say a pragmatist mm-hmm. I don't think Boucher will be anything more than a ninth man in his career which you know is not shade it's incredible that he's an NBA player already but I actually am extremely high on the young man OG Ananobi I think that there's a version of his life where he puts it together and OG at 25 26 is just an absolute menace on the wing. And if the Raptors are lucky enough to keep Kawhi, I think the big three going forward is Siakam, OG, and Kawhi. But I'm sure this comment was made in jest anyway. So, But also yeah, re- Kyle Lowry at 44 years old, shooting three times a game and like <laughs> 20% from the floor is somehow still a revolutionary point guard. So maybe a big four, you know? Yeah, something we can look forward to. I think the key with OG is just getting him more touches, right? Like uh, he's a complimentary piece right now, and with I, th- I think my thing with any young developing player, like people talk about, oh Zion going to the Knicks. Like I think anybody who has potential to be really good, you need to give them chances to make their mistakes and have the ball more and be a decision maker. And I think OG's gotten that in spurts, but obviously with the level of talent the Raptors have, it's hard for him to, you know really make leaps and bounds in development. Siakam found a way to do it. He played himself into, you know, demanding himself the ball a little bit more. And if Siakam does some things outside of the, of, you know, needing the ball to make plays, but yeah, for, for OG, if Kawhi stays, I hope they can find some sort of a balance 
uh, with being able to give him the ball a bit more. But uh, it'll be yeah interesting to see how that plays out in terms of his his development if uh, he's surrounded by the same level level of talent he currently is. I agree. So fifty eight wins in the books. The Raptors are the second seed and headed to the NBA playoffs. We don't know who they'll face in the first round yet, but there will be tons of coverage when that comes out. Nick, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. Thanks, Sam. Uh, We'll chat soon. Yeah. See you later, man. Take care. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.